a sense of lightness, yeah? But now, the topic itself is being used to produce heaviness. You see? There's the trick. There's the rub, you know? The idea, and because the intent seems to be so good and so light, it's very difficult to see the bludgeoning that's going on because you think it's like, this is how it has to happen. It was like this, this old Zen guy, he got exposed. He's a hundred something years old and, uh, there was all these Zen schools that he started in America and everywhere like this. And he was, he was like a womanizer. But then he's still womanizing when he's 100 years old. And so they have this one lady that was a, te- was a student of his describing where he would have, she'd be having a private interview with the guy and the guy would start fondling her breasts and then wanting her, her to fondle him. And she was saying, is this the practice? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. She was like, is this, is this, is this the Dharma? You know what I mean? Am I supposed to be, this is how crazy it can get. Yeah? <laughs> it produces a lot of liberty. Yeah? So, this idea, see, it can be an event or not an event, but the event is just a phenomenal expression of, of the awakening, which is always the case. Yeah? There's a there's a basic state we're in, which is we're awake. You can you can just tell by because you're awake, you're aware of the conscious contact. Even if you're totally obsessed with thoughts and yesterday and tomorrow, you're still hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching and smelling at least vaguely. Some information is coming in, and that would sort of throw you off to hey, I'm on. You know what I mean? I'm on. I'm aware of the contact that's going on. That's the basic awakeness, yeah? Everyone has that quality, yeah? We're awake. Now, accessing it can seem like it happened in one event, but the whole point is, if it's truly an access, it will be accessing. Now, maybe that event opened the door for the accessing to continually happen now with no no break, but in fact, there is no point of Access if it's a past one or a future one, it's accessing. In other words, right now is the possibility. Yeah? And it doesn't have to look like anything. In a way, it's probably better that it doesn't look like anything because it's sort of like the mental condition is like the Eye of Sauron in those Lord of the Rings stories. And the Eye of Sauron is like a, <coughs> it was once an entity, now it's a non entity form, and it's looking for a ring of power. Yeah, and it's it's scouring the whole middle kingdom of the Lord of Rings, looking for this, constantly looking for it. But it has an idea. It's a ring. It's a thing. It's looking for. Well, this message would never be picked up by the Eye of Sauron because it's nothing. Yeah, it doesn't add one weight to you, one one nano ounce of weight on you if you entertain it. Yeah, you don't even. <coughs> there's nothing that's truly added on or subtracted in a way. It's just, it's basically truly nothing. And that's the gift that keeps on giving. And the conditional mind doesn't see the value in it. It'll try to take advantage of it, which it does with everything. But after a year or two, let's say, if you first get introduced to this idea, and then someone's telling you that you're not a person, and so maybe you're at home with your girlfriend, and she comes home and she says, Hey, Paul, you didn't wash the dishes. And you'd go, Well, there is no Paul to wash the dishes, you know? And the mind would try to take advantage of this message. It really wouldn't work too well. And after a while, it'd get bored of it. And then it would 
stop trying to make it anything, and it would still be that's the beautiful pristineness of the message. It's nothing. It's nothing. The mind will get bored trying to take advantage of it. It's sort of like trying to eat a turtle when it's sucked in. It's not, you can throw the shell around, it ain't getting in. And therefore, what happens is it loses interest. That's when it gets really good. When the conditional mind, or the mind that I find, the, which has this mental process of selfing, that, that thing is constantly trying to make something out of, some, out of nothing, and out of some things, yeah? When it gets bored or loses interest in it, that's the freedom. It's, it's, not, it's not freedom by realizing what you are, it's, real, it's freedom from realizing what you're not, because when you realize what you're not, you'll lose interest in it. You'll lose your attention. Will stop going to that dead horse, expecting it to run. Yeah, it will. It won't go to that thing. And then I'm not saying where it will go, but why don't you find out? Yeah, it's there. And of course, that interest and attention is this, uh, is on this idea of being you. Yeah, this long-lasting, independent, separate entity <coughs> who has a history who feels like it was there yesterday and will be here tomorrow, yeah, and also feels like it's very worthy of almost all my concern. I can't get enough concern about it now, so I'm going to make time and so I can think about it in the past quite a lot and worry about it in the future. Yeah. So the mental process and what sort of propels that interest and attention to go all the way into nowhere, into what's not happening, I swear is because it's about you, really. You would not sustain thoughts about someone else unless they were the one of your life and you were milking their absence to get a bigger sense of you. You would not go almost any... You wouldn't go back that long that often if it wasn't about you. So the real glue is this cherishing of self, and the cherishing of self is that you take it to be you. And as long as that's in place, then your attention and interest... <clears throat> no matter what tricks you may try to use to call it off, they're like blood, it's interest and attention is like a bloodhound. It's had a smell of, of, of clothing of, of, what they, of what it wants to pursue, and therefore it can go by 50 people. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep going back to you. Yeah. Because that's what you're taking yourself to be. The freedom lies when you stop taking yourself to be that. The interest and attention, which is the vehicle for you to be bound, yeah, now le- leaves that, op- that object of thought, you, and now, for me, it comes right where I've always been, and now that same interest and attention is now enriching my life instead of enslaving it. Yeah? And all rooted in the one idea of what I'm interested in and t- attending to. And you can see how the mind is. It will, no matter how how uh, something has absolutely no connection with you, your mind will give it a connection to you. Yeah. So someone comes just in a simple way. They start talking about their mother. You start chiming in about your mother. There's no way. It's just the selfing gets totally kicked in because it claims fucking everything. Yeah. So the freedom, in my view is freedom from. Yeah. And the freedom from is when your interest and attention stops trying to milk that dead cow, basically, because you see it as dead, or you see it as not happening, at least. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there's a huge amount of relief 
just by entertaining the difference between what's happening and what's not happening. What's happening is the conscious contact, yeah? Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and then hearing thoughts is the sixth sense, let's say. What's not happening is, quote-unquote, the past and the future. Self is not happening. Selfing is, but there is no self. The identification as a self is a complete verb. It is an identification as, which is the verb, and self, the noun. No. There's identification as a self. It's a verb. There is no self. Yeah? So, this, is, this whole selfing is identification as a self. In recovery, they say in a beautiful way, <clears throat> let's say if there was a self, and let's say the self is represented by this chair, and then I would be bonded to that self, this chair, let's say with a handcuff, yeah? you would see that there was me bonded to the chair. And maybe if this was the case, I could find a spiritual locksmith who could make the, the right key to get this loose, and then I'd be freed from the bondage to self. But in recovery, we say it's the bondage of self, which is totally different. Because there is no thing called self. And there's no handcuff that you can be bonded to it. But the bonding of it is an activity, a mental activity. Reinforced, totally supported by the, the, by the narrative of the day, all day, that the head's doing, yes? All of those thoughts are being used by the conditional mind. The thoughts have no ability to bind you, but the my of the thought allows that meaning, that it's about you, to get into every thought. And now, with all those thoughts going, with that meaning in it, they have the ability to bind the mind to the, only seemingly so, to bind the mind to the idea of being a body, <coughs> to the idea of being a thing. Yeah? Now that bonding isn't natural, and it actually cannot happen. So the highest level it can reach is it can seemingly happen, and that's why there's so many damn thoughts all freaking day, because the glue has to be applied constantly. Yeah? Just make it seem like it's so. Because it isn't. If the thought system, if there wasn't a thought system and it wasn't yakking all day, maybe you just had a thought system was based on working, where if you had a problem, it would come up. As soon as the problem was done, it would go down. That's what my head's quite a lot now. My working head's gotten better than it ever has been. When something occurs, it just assesses what I can do and not do. <clears throat> as soon as I've done what I could do and I can't do any more, then the, the working mind just recedes. Just, and then there's just the space again, yeah? But most of what we're talking about is this, this, this banter about you as the action figure in the past tense and in the future tense, overriding your present experience of this tense. <laughs> so this idea of self isn't so. It's not here right now. So how, how does it appear to be here? It has to be remembered. Yeah? Your mind has to conjure it up. So how, do we, how does it get remembered? Well, there's a lot of ways, but the two biggest ways is thoughts about you in the past. Yeah? So when the thought system pictures us as a body, so when it's thinking about you, it doesn't think about you as a spirit. <coughs> it may think about you as a spirit in a body, but it's not going to think about you as a spirit because there will be no, no nothing to think about. 
<coughs> how am I going to expect certain qualities out of spirits? Say, oh, I was feeling really unspiritual that day, and then I did all this, I was really spiritual this week. You know, it would just be spirit, you know, there would just be space, you know what I mean? It's just the presence. But when it's about a body, you can have a lot of different conditions, you know, physical, emotional, mental, quote-unquote spiritual conditions. And the mind can sort of get into all that and think how you're doing and judge and da, da, da. a lot of different degrees occur. So here, here it is, <coughs> I'm thinking about, thought system is thinking about a me two years ago. So all right. <coughs> Because it's me, it's enough to take my attention and interest with those thoughts, yeah. And now I'm obsessing, the mind's obsessing over that me. What it's actually doing is it's, it's remembering the me now by thinking about it then, yeah. You don't remember it back then. There's nothing there. You remember it now by thinking about it back then. It produces the sense of being a self, yeah. And then... You're thinking about how you're going to be three years from now, let's say. The same thing's going on. It remembers using the future also. So, <clears throat> there's an obsession about you in the future. I'm going to be destitute. I'm never going to meet a person or whatever it may be. Anything to get the attention all the way to that nowhere place. <clears throat> now, the thoughts are circulating around you and you're being remembered. But where is the remembering occurring now? If I'm busily remembering self now, what am I forgetting now? Find out. Find out what you're forgetting now. By forgetting the self in a way. Because if you forget the self, or you don't remember the self, you'll be freed from that feeling of the self now. You'll see it, but you won't see from it. You'll see it being produced because it's going to linger. The habit, it's gotten so much momentum over this time. The habit is still triggering the sense of self, <coughs> but now the glue is sort of weak because there's no new glues applying to it, yeah? So the little trick it used to do on the mind isn't working so much anymore. So, <coughs> I'm remembering, that's why they say in... in uh, St. Francis says, it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn. Yeah, and there's a great Zen master called Dogen in Japan who said, you know, the whole the study Buddhism is to study the self and to study yourself is to forget the self. Yeah. A lot of people in the history have used forgetting. Why? Because the activity of it is remembering. That's why forgetting is the perfect antidote because what's causing the self to seemingly be so is by remembering it. Yeah? Because it can't be so so it can only seem to be so. And for something to seem to be so, like for last week to seem to be so now, I have to remember it. Yeah? It has no, it can't intrude on Wednesday night. Last Saturday has no possibility of appearing in Wednesday night. None. It can seem to appear if I think about it. Yeah? The future can't break into this orb of presence. The present, yeah, it's in an imaginary place. Only the mental process can go there. Your body can't go there. I can't jettison my body two weeks from now, nor can I jettison back to the, the greatest peak moment I ever had in my life. I'm never going to be able to truly relive that. The best I can do is think about it. <laughs> so here, I'm thinking of me, 
thinking of me, remembering the me, now. Yeah? The thinking is being used for this purpose quite a lot. Yeah? And this is what happens. The conditional mind uses everything that's brought into its purview through conscious contact, it uses everything to its own advantage. That's what it does, yeah? It claims it. In this case, all the thoughts are claimed by I'm the thinker, yeah? <coughs> all the feelings are claimed by I'm the feeler. Every freaking vision experience is claimed by I'm the one who's seeing, yeah? Everything that's ever been felt has been claimed as I'm the feeler of it. Yeah, well, it just goes on and on and on, yeah? Problems are not problems, they're my problems. Time is not time, it's my time. The body isn't, bo- isn't just the body, it's my body. Then people think about <coughs> the ego, but they feel like they have an ego. Yeah, They feel like they have an ego. And they want to feel like they don't have an ego. But what is it that feels like they have the ego? And what is it that feels like they don't have the ego? That's the bondage of self. That feeling of, of being the one who has an ego, and also being the one that doesn't have an ego. See? The ego can be there or not be there, but the one never seems to go. That's the bondage of self, right there. Yeah? It's not, there's no, the ego is just a mental representation of the mental activity. It doesn't give a shit about the ego. What it gives a shit about is the feeling of being the one who has the ego. Its make, main movement is claiming, so... Oh, they have a concept called the ego. Okay, it's mine. I have my ego's driving me crazy now. Yes, it'll claim everything. Everything it, it, it's it cannot bring bring about the contact. Consciousness brings about the contact, <coughs> but it will arise very quickly thereafter and claim it. It's even claimed the uh, the sense of consciousness as being the one. I'm the one who's conscious. So consciousness, instead of seeing being seen as like a state, we, we see it as an attribute that we may or may not have. You see? That's called claiming. Yeah. We even claim the thing that's bringing, bringing about every experience of life. We claim that, consciousness. And we start saying, I'm the one who's conscious. Therefore, you can entertain to, uh, to be the, the one that isn't conscious, which I say most people are. Yeah? So consciousness is now split by the split mind into a dualistic construct which is conscious or unconscious <clears throat> close or far love or hate yes or no high or low connected disconnected and then the mind's just riffing those two things all day based on it's, it's, that's the riffing that happens after the heist the heist is that it's you that's conscious yeah, that's where the heist occurs yeah? because then it's very difficult to entertain all there is is consciousness because you're still trying to write you into the story. And if all there is is consciousness, there's no room for you. There's room for a you, the appearance of a you, but there's no room for a you. you. Yeah? <coughs> so, so, if you can see what's producing the thing, it, it, may, it may severely limit the production of it. Yeah? If you can see how this is being built and reinforced and produced, that's the beginning of not buying the product. (laughs) You know what I mean? If the head is attempting to sell you a story that you're a self, there's something prior to that story 
before you buy it, which is what you really are. You can rest there, just as easily as you're resting in the story of being Paul. <coughs> if you're resting in the story of being Paul, there's no rest there, really. It's all agitation, obviously, right? You're trying to, dis- your desire to become and desire to unbecome all day. You're unbecoming what you think you are, which you have never been, and you're trying to become what you think you're not, which is not true either. So, desiring to become and unbecome without, with never a fulfillment uh, available, what is that going to be but just agitation, isn't it? The mind's just going to be trying to unbecome what it thinks it is and become what it thinks it isn't all day. <laughs> That's like fucking hell. It doesn't matter if everyone seems to be doing it. That doesn't make it any better. <laughs> so how can you use agitation to find stillness? That would be agitation. Like his great Zen master said. You can't use activity to find stillness. That would be activity. Yeah. So <clears throat> a lot of people, me included, wanted to get out of self. Sounded noble. Sounded like a very logical move. Somehow I sort of got the sense that the thought system was driving me crazy. And how the hell could I get out of that, to get out of the effects of the thought system, yeah? I didn't know that I was identified with the product of the thought system, the feeling of being self. <clears throat> and then I got the double whammy, which is I try to get out of self as a self, which can't work. <laughs> That's like the double hell. <clears throat> That's like the third ring of hell. So you realize something's causing you unhappiness, and maybe you're totally confused, and it dawns on you, hey, it could be... It could be this crazy thought system and you feel like you're onto something. Now you're busily trying to get out of that, but you're trying to get out of that as a product of the thought system, the feel of the being itself. Self can't get out of self. You can't use the Buddha to find the Buddha. Yeah. You can't use mind to find mind. So our view here, and this is, comes from what happens, you know, is that the best way to get out of something is realize you were never in it. You know? It's the only way to get out of it, really. It doesn't take any time, because you weren't in it. Yeah? And therefore, if I cannot possibly be in it, I don't have to be worried about being in it. I don't have to try to get out of it. Yeah? And there's the, there's the total relinquishment of agitation. I'm not trying to become something. I'm not trying to unbecome something. Yeah? I don't have a belief that I was once a self and I'm trying to unbecome that. No, the, re- the revelation is there was never a self, nor will there ever be a self. Yeah? So there's no desire to be- unbecome that, and there's no desire to become the one, because I don't give a shit about that either. So the agitation dismisses because it's not in the movement of unbecoming or becoming. <coughs> I, don't, I don't believe that I was a self and then one day... I became a non-self, you know? I believe, my hit was, there was never a self. All there has been is selfing, a mental activity. That's why the bondage isn't to anything, it's bondage of, yeah? It's bondage that's being produced by the incessant interest and attention, and actually, on some levels, devotion to the thought system that's telling the story of you, yeah? Like if you look at predators in the jungle, usually the, you can tell the difference between the predator and prey because the predator is usually ripping the neck out of the prey. You know, you know the sheep's the prey and the lion's the predator. But in this case, 
The selfing has you by moving away from it. By you trying to get out of it is another level of being in it. Yeah. It's actually a more exquisite hell. Because when you're really thinking you're in it, there's an ignorance that sometimes is merciful. Because, but when you think, now, now you think you know the, what the problem is, and you're trying to get out of it, but you're traveling as the problem, that's really fucking painful. Because now there's a little bit of awareness involved, and so now everything is really brutally about you, you know? <laughs> it might have been better if you just stayed in ignorance, so to speak. Like they say, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. <coughs> Because the double block that self can't get out of self is really the one that crushes a lot of people, in this thing, or a lot of whatever you want to call us here. I even see it when I go to the groups that uh, are not AA recovery oriented. Then I noticed a spiritual seeking is a disease, also an addiction of mind, and uh, yet those people can't have interventions. You know, you know, which it would be nice if like three of us went and we took all your books off your thing and took your DVDs and. Your Common Ground magazine, whatever, with all the retreats. No more retreats for you. You know, no more prayers. Take the lighted candles and fucking cold turkey. <laughs> cold turkey for a few days. See what happens, man. See how that spiritual civility would break like a thin veneer. <laughs> that loving gaze would, would, would be filled with anger and hate. Give me that book back. I am that. <laughs> Not that. Don't take that one. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd really see the loving gaze of you. Ripping their white clothes off of them. And fucking. Yeah. Then you'd see they'd be coming out of the one yogic posture of selfing, which is I, me, my, you know. Oh, then your mind opens, and then you'll know it by its roots. Yeah, you'll sense the mind opening or unfurling like a flag. For me, it's like a <clears throat> an aperture that was set in a certain way, and you become used to thinking that's the only way it's been. And when, of course, if it's the only way it was, and the only way it seems to be, therefore it probably will keep being this way. And in a weird way, when the aperture opens, it doesn't just open like this, it opens like this. And then you're in front of the camera, where you've always seemed to have been behind the camera. When the lens opens up, this is self-centeredness. This is like a frame. So, in this sense, you seem to be looming behind it. What you are truly is, but it's what we, we picture it to be us as a body. Yeah, And we're the one who's conscious, we're the one who's seeing, we're the one who's thinking. But when the aperture opens up, then the doer is seen to be in front of the camera, therefore not the doer. The thinker seems to be in front of the camera, therefore not the thinker. Yeah? The, the Alpha and the Omega is seen now to be maybe step number six. Yeah? That's revelatory, yeah? Mm-hmm. Comes with no thought or effort on your part. It just entertains some possibilities, I heard. And my mind, because your mind has the ability to entertain, that's what it's doing all day, you're entertaining imaginary scenarios all day of how what's going to happen to you. And basically, your iron-clad factual memories 
can be disputed very easily <coughs> by being with four people who are at that same event. <coughs> they would tell a whole different story about the story in your life. Yeah? Because this place is a... There was a great art, uh, book by uh, Marquez, a great South American writer. It's about a murder that, that happens in this village in South America. And there's so supposedly like eight eyewitnesses. And each one has a totally different story. Because this is a subjective experience here. So this, what we're calling reliable as data, ain't reliable at all. And here, how can you disprove what, what, something that can't be proved? You know, I can't disprove you won't have cancer, because I don't know. You know, but you sort of seem sure like you're going to have cancer. <coughs> Which will probably promote the experience of having cancer. Because the thoughts have some power when they're taking, when the mind is moving through them, you know. They have the power to, to produce at least to an effect of seemingly being so. Yeah? So, this whole idea is not about, well, it's not about anything really. It's about seeing well, it's not even that. It's about, for me, I heard information just like a meeting like this. Not probably put as well as I'm putting it, you know. A superior inviter. Not advita, inviter. And, uh, and I went home and I entertained what I was hearing. You know, I read a few books, not 30 books, a few. I went to a couple of meetings, not, you know, tons of meetings. Listened to people, not many. And I heard what I needed to hear and I entertained the possibility. And then when I entertained the possibility, the apertures started to open. And what I once thought, where I used to think I was seeing from, was shown to be something that's actually seen. This, it's being seen by what we really are. Yeah, the mental process in this has claimed to be what we really are, and then sees starting here. But what we really are sees this. Yeah, this is an object to it. What we are isn't objectified; it's subject. Yeah, so. And that was more than enough. It was like, hey, I'm not that. And all that is, all it truly is, is, a, is, is fingers pointing at a moon. There's no moon there. All it is, is the thought system. <clears throat> That's why I was, Chris was talking to me. You know, I went on these, these uh, talks back east. And some people hadn't seen me in a while. And my hair has gotten much longer, yeah? So they kept saying, oh, Paul, you're growing your hair. And I said, well, I'm actually not growing my hair. I'm just not cutting my hair, yeah? It's not like I'm taking three hours a week to grow my hair. But you see how subtly the language is implying that there's a someone there that's doing it when it has nothing to do with it, the activity, yeah? Isn't it? And we're saying this nonchalantly all day to ourselves up here by listening to this and with each, and other people saying it and us saying to them, and it's like we're in cahoots with all of us to keep ourselves in a trance. Yeah, this trance of being the subject. Yeah, when we're truly an object. <clears throat> so it sounds funny, but the language is reinforcing that yeah, all day. And what happens is the mind, the mental process, this one aspect of mind that's called conditional mind, that, that conditional mind by by claiming all thoughts as yours, I'm the thinker, that that me represents, you know on the internet they have the cloud now, it's just tons of information. There's no cloud. 
It's not like three miles wide and a mile high. There's no thing, but there's tons of information that we access that can never be seen. Yeah. Well, that's just a mere, a pale reflection of mind, what's happening here. <coughs> so there's all this information, let's say conditional information, distorted ideas of what you thought once happened, uh, beliefs, like in a karmic view, it's like mental, deep mental grooves, so-called subscars, like alcoholism and other things like that. And they're seeking expression, just like everything else seeks expression here. And their way of expressing, we're like a doorway, this opportunity. And what happens is, they're just there, and then there's a thought. But when there's a my attached to the thought, the my accesses meaning. And then the meaning downloads into the thoughts that you believe you're having. Yeah? And the thoughts are just a vehicle to bring about a whack. Sort of like a cattle prod. You're the shock. You're the electricity. The cattle prod is just facilitating it. But it's the mind <coughs> believing the idea of being a self that's giving all this fucking thoughts the meaning that they're about you. Yeah? And so now a thought that was just a thought has the ability to freeze you for your whole freaking day when it's your thought. Yeah. Someone else is speaking, they're having a hard time. You have an incredible distinct immunity because you see them as their thoughts. But the same thoughts that seem to be bothering Chris could easily bother me here if they were held as my thoughts. So it's not the thought. It's the thoughts are a vehicle for an aspect of mind to deliver the meaning it wants to deliver to you, as you, for you, by you. Yeah. This is really the bondage of self. So you get a, you get a very subjective interpretation of life. <clears throat> And instead of your your hand, your fingers on the pulse of living, it's been moved up to get an interpretation. Yeah? And so life is not seen as happening anymore. It's seen as happening to me. It's called self-centeredness, yeah? And for some for some of us, it's producing a real dis, dis, uh, irritability, dissatisfaction, restlessness. Yeah? And we've tried so many formulas that it has provided to get relief from it. But we need relief. It never seems to really work, yeah? Because you can't seek the solution from the problem, in a sense. It's just, that solution will be a problem. <coughs> and yet there's a feeling that we like, there could, must be a different possibility, yeah? The possibility is seeing that all those fingers, all the mental thoughts... All the interpretations of feelings, all the interpretations of events are inferring, are implying, are assuming, and, or insinuating there's a someone. Yeah? It cannot make the someone. It can only keep a, a pointing that there is a someone. You and I, the mind, makes the jump into taking ourselves. So all it can do is say, there's a you, a you, a you. Our, when the mind falls for it, it becomes you. Yeah? The thoughts cannot make it so. But the pointing, the pointing, the pointing, it says, there's a doer, there's a doer. Suddenly you see that all the pointing, that there's, there was an action, there must be an actor. Then there's the assumption of being the actor. Yeah? Boom. Now you're located in a body. Life is now given direction. Instead of seeing it's happening, it's happening to you. Then there's tons of opinions that shouldn't be happening to you. Tons of opinions, why is it happening to me? And then the mind just riffs 
an interpretation, sheets and sheets of more and more interpretation <coughs> about the basic, smallest, little mundane event. It makes mountains out of molehills and goes on and on and on and on and on. And then you have to be enslaved to traveling over these fucking mountains when they truly could appear as molehills to you if you were traveling right on. Yeah. So now every week there's an earth-shattering event, but the earth never shatters. You just shatter. Yeah. This whole point with me was, it didn't... All it has translated is a traveling lighter. It didn't change the geography of my life that much. It may have a little bit, who knows. <clears throat> but that wasn't its point. The point was to travel lighter over whatever geography there's going to be. Am I going to get fired or not fired? Get sick, not get sick? Meet the woman, not meet the woman? Surf, not surf? Get, you know, all that, all those things may happen. But this allows me to travel lighter over all of it. Yeah? To me, that's incredibly valuable. I'd much rather have that than a giant fucking peak experience of, of an enlightenment that seems to dissipate and then the mind uses the absence of that enlightenment to beat the hell out of itself the rest of your life. I'd much rather have, this is like the kingdom of heaven that's like a thief in the night. It just skims off a little heaviness every second of your day. Yeah. So fucking good. It's cool. And you can't make much out of it. It doesn't, you can't, it's not like adding four, you know, four zeros to your spiritual account, you know. You don't have a spiritual account. You may not have the loving gaze. <clears throat> People aren't going to say, oh, something really happened to you. There's no one that have anything happened to is really the event. Yeah? In a way, the boredom that looks exciting here is seen more as just plain boredom now. <laughs> and the excitement that looks like boredom is the way to go. <clears throat> Instead of surrendering, which is a big noble experience, you know, usually witnessed by ex-girlfriends and stuff, you know, no, I'm giving it all up with the light breaking through some cloud formations. This is just surrendered. Just traveling lighter every day, day in and day out, whatever comes, whatever goes. Yeah? Your mind has found uh, a place truly to rest its head in uncertainty, and I don't know. Not in I know. I know is a, is a booby prize of the mental condition. I don't know is the opening up of tons of possibilities. Yeah? When you don't know, you're relegated to finding out. And that's, the, that's the beautiful aspect of living. Because the only way you can ever get, quote-unquote, to know yourself is to find out. You're never going to have an experience of what you are that would mean you were something else. Yeah. It's going to infuse its influence on all your experiences. Yeah? Every time, like I'm in a room like this, and I'd say there's 80 people show up, no one shows up, the one thing I keep seeing is the space of this room. In all my events during the day, I see the space, almost palpable, and then in that space, tons of things come, show up, have a little activity, and then go away. But the space never leaves. You know? The space that we seem to be in never leaves. The context is the real ball to keep your eye on in this life. Not all the comings and goings and the highs and the lows, but what's always so. Because what's always so, it's hard to note that. Because 
we're not, we're not built to pick up things that are always here. We're built to pick up things that weren't here, that seem to be here, and then they go. Yeah, it's just like gravity. No one, no one today on Clement Street heard any conversation about the effects of gravity. I bet you didn't. Like, you know, gravity was very extra heavy on my shoulder today. No. Because gravity's constantly working on us. The only way you'd know its effects by it would be its absence. If you went into an anti-gravity experience, then you'd realize that's fucking gravity. Yeah? But until that happens, you don't know it. You're totally under its influence, yet you don't know it. Yeah? Well, in a sense, through the absence of self, and I'm saying the absence of self is inherently so. <clears throat> it's not an event to have to wait for. It's a realization just to entertain. The absence of self is the inherent condition. Yeah? So in that absence of self, then you'll know about the self. Yeah? You don't need an experience of its absence. Just entertain the possibility it's not so, and you'll know it. You'll know the problem, in a sense, from the solution. And from the solution's point of view, there is no problem. So in a sense, there's no need for a solution. As soon as that dawns on you. That's how light it is. It doesn't add one little bit. You don't have to carry one little two-page scripture with you. You don't need anything. You are the living scripture. Yeah. It's being written every day you're here. No matter what your head is saying about it. And don't put, and if you're waiting for that to stop, fucking don't. <clears throat> it's just like something that's pumping your blood. You have nothing to do with that. It's part of this apparatus. Yeah? It has a system of thought called self-centeredness, and it's doing its thing, just like the blood is being pumped and the heart's being beat, and that food you ate earlier is being digested. It's just a subtler process of the body and the brain, but it's a past process of the body and the brain. You don't have to wait for the selfing to stop to realize you're not a self. Actually, the continuation of the selfing is the reminder that you're not that. That's how beautiful it is. By seeing it constantly pointing, yeah, you remind that there's no one is pointing at. You're reminded of that. It's a great fucking, and it's gonna, it's incessantly reminding you. Because it's attempting to constantly point that there's a you there, that you did it, that you should be worried, that you, 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 you. And so every moment you see that, the mind doesn't make the leap, you're in the recognition of what you're not, which is a very high level. Seeing what you're not is really quite what you are, you know. The seeing of what you're not. So. <clears throat> That's that, eh? Simple. It's an imitation. It's like it's like two ga- two drops of gas in a stalled car. You got the key, the gas pedal's there. You have the ability to pump the car. To get two drops of gas can trigger it, catches. If you stand there pouring more gas on it, you just flood in the car. This doesn't need more. More isn't vital in this in this invitation. Sometimes less is a lot better. This is about triggering the mind to entertain possibilities that it hasn't entertained. Yeah? And one of them is, I may not be that. Because I, I take, taking yourself to be that has limited what you can entertain here. You're being force-fed a very few possibilities over and over and over again through this little frame of self-centeredness, yeah? 
you're not seeing anywhere near a bigger picture. Yeah. And you've been over every one of its formulas, every one of its possibilities. You rehashed, revamped it, retried it. Yes, over and over again. This is about, it's like freeing a marathon that's in a closet. Yeah. You give it, you give it a fucking a worthy place to run, it's going to really stretch out. So, man, my mind loved the idea I'm not that. It just opened up to joy, enjoying peace of mind, all of those qualities that are available to us, because the mind has all those qualities. We're just not accessing it because we haven't come to the point of even entertaining the possibility of accessing it. Yeah? Because we've been severely limited by what we're identified as. Right now, all we can identify, only, the only way we can entertain here is defined by selfing. <coughs> we can only entertain in time. So we're never entertaining I'm okay, basically. We're entertaining I was once okay, and I will be okay. Well, literally, yeah. It's always, every one of its, all of its possibilities are drenched in time. Yeah? So timelessness is the solution. It's never fucking available. Everything gets put into a process of doing and having and getting, arriving and achieving. And then once you achieve, you got to be vigilant because it may be attacked from all sides. And, you, you know, it's like achieving the have and then immediately having the thoughts that, oh, I'm afraid I'll lose all the time. That's not peace. <clears throat> so timelessness isn't afforded in this possibility realm. It isn't. Everything is stretched into time. This opens up the mind to seeing timelessness as a, as, a, as a possibility, a very strong possibility. And actually seeing that in this horizontal story of Paul, timelessness inserts every moment. Like a vertical, like escape rope. Yeah? Never, never are you going to be able to attain that. The only way this fucking entertains peace is you, by you doing and having yourself into a state of peace. That ain't peace. Peace is relinquishment of the need to be liberated. That's peace. Yeah? Peace is like a deep relaxation. What's agitated and continually will be agitated cannot find relaxation. If it lands somewhere where... Let's say if it lands in peace, it, screw, it agitates it by saying, will I be peaceful tomorrow? Yeah? It, stir, it's a, it just stirs the fucking pot constantly. There's no peace there. But there's peace in mind, for sure. Freed from this slavery of selfing, your mind can be free, radically free right now, because it inherently is. Yeah. And that's what happens. Stuff is, you're, somehow you get a revelation, or some grace comes in, and then the mind just entertains it, up the wazoo, basically. Yeah, if you get one one example that I, I'm not that, then it expands on a principle. Therefore, I'm not that. <laughs> it doesn't have to go through millions of experiences. I'm not that. I'm not. No, it gets. Hey, I'm not that. I'm not that. That's what mind can do. It can expand on things. It can take one. Like they used to say, you can see the whole ocean in one drop of water. That's the mind entertaining. So you see. A principle like this, a great principle I learned in Course of Miracles, that's always tr triggered an aha in me, a huge aha. And that was, you and I give everything all the meaning it has. I got that like this, and my mind just went, boom, opened up, 
I've always been giving everything all the media. It wasn't like, oh, in this one event I'm giving. No. That's, that's, the, that's the working program of this apparatus, is to give meaning to everything. <clears throat> all day. That was incredible. I got heard this one little statement, and then it just went expanded. Yeah, that's what's possible. That's called entertaining. That's the ability of the mind. Yeah. But when it's saddled or put into this very like straight-jackety type of mental uh, process called selfing, it loses the sky. The amount of sky it sees is so limited; it can only see a few stars. Yeah. When that op- aperture opens up, there's a lot of possibilities available. Things become inclusive. Here. It's not either or anymore. The dualistic construct gets sort of melted down and everything starts just going through. Sort of like the frame-by-frame storytelling of a day now becomes a mural, yeah? Where the basic background is the foreground now, the timelessness, that basically we're in one, seemingly one, infinite moment, basically. With the mind trying to cut it and compartmentalize it and partition it, yet... <clears throat> there's just this just self there's just a being going on being manifesting 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 like that there's none of these partitions have any it's like what the the uh, <coughs> the English and the uh, <coughs> people did in the 1900s they just partitioned all these countries Afghanistan the tribes people don't fucking believe Afghanistan starts here in Pakistan there they've been living there in, oh okay we're gonna go buy this now you know <laughs> this is sort of what we've done the self is okay, I'm here, you're there, this means absolutely nothing, this means everything, let's get to it. Yeah? <laughs> it's fucking insanity. <laughs> you take, when you lift off the earth, I wouldn't, I don't think you'd see the lines, you know, oh, there's, there's Afghani, and then Pakistan, totally different. I don't think there's a line someone drew. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there isn't Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's like time isn't like a pizza that we cut up. You know what I mean? It's just a set. It's a mental functioning going on. And of because there seems to be time, there's also its opposite, which is timelessness. <coughs> Where's that flavor and influence in our life? Really, where is it? How many people, they may work really hard to finally arrive somewhere, but let's say like they're working all year and then they're thinking about the trip to Hawaii, then suddenly they're on the trip thinking about working. They can't fucking win, you know what I mean? Thinking about Hawaii while at working is making work seem a lot worse. Now thinking about work in Hawaii, you have, you're, you're driven to take tons of pictures to prove that you're in Hawaii because you have no sense that you're really there because you're at work basically in your head. That's fucking slavery to me. You know what I mean? Go here, it'll be great. Go here, okay. Get there. Oh, thinking about that. <laughs> I mean, you don't see it to me. It just blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, something happens in a day, you fit yourself around it. You know, flexibility. Yeah. Flow with things better. Instead of, no, it has to be this way. It's like standing in the river trying to make the water stop. It has this movement to go towards the sea. <coughs> All you're going to be is in a lot of conflict with it because it's just going to keep... And you'll be thinking it's happening to you. 
You know, it's not happening. You you got in the way. The what is just happening? You want to take a noun position and say, I'm this, then all of that's going to just fucking do what it does. That's the whole dilemma here, right? Verbing, verbing. And then we put this mental noun up and we think, all right, this is me. And then how can you see life other than it's happening to me from this stationary point? The only way you get a real glimpse of life is happening is while you're going with it. Yeah. You're moving with it. You've left the sense of a noun, a mental idea, and you're into the verbing of being alive. <coughs> I gotta stop. I'm gonna lose my voice soon. That will be my whole career will be over. You have to sit here for an hour. I love gays. <laughs> Loving gazes are fine. I just fuck with them. I'm much different than you. I'm awake. I'm beyond all this. Just my great compassion and mercy has brought me back here to sort of, you know, trudge through these wastelands of suffering and misery. I'm just wonderful, isn't it? Just a wonderful person coming back here for all of you. <laughs> That'll be five hundred dollars. <laughs> If I didn't say anything, I bet you a lot of people would come. Really? Just sit here. Oh, he's so wonderful. <laughs> he never says anything. <laughs> It's so refreshing. Really, it takes that much to convince you something's off. Man. Some guy can go and say, "I brought back my own idea of retreat from Paul the other day. Retreat from Paul is a good one. This is my plan. I thought it, I think it could work too. Plan is this: I send you DVDs and." And uh, talks, you know, audios, and uh, you know, so you get to know me for a couple weeks, and then I have some girl, some old girlfriends will will uh, will video some uh, testimonials where they'll talk about how great great their life is with not with me not being in it, you know, and uh, and you know they're really experiencing the presence by my absence. You know? so this is the only way I can provide the presence for you is by being absent. So, okay, so now. You get the hit, then you say, "All right, I promise this weekend you send me a hundred bucks. I won't run into you this weekend. I'll tell you exactly where I'm going to be, and you send it back, and I promise I won't see you. And then tell me if you feel better without seeing me. You sense a presence, don't you? By my absence, Paul. Why not sign up for the month-long retreat? Five hundred bucks. I promise I won't see you. And to remind you, I'll send you some videos." I promise I won't see you, and then you'll feel so great. I'll be in Hawaii getting the checks. It'll be fantastic. I bet you I'd have people sign up. Don't you think? Retreat from Paul. Two thousand for the year. I guarantee I won't see you, call you, email you. <laughs> That's how absurd it can get. Seriously, yeah. I, I believe. 